Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Sandy. You know, I've been praying for you. I've enjoyed my time with you. I have found you to be a loving and authentic church. You always have a special place in my heart. Tonight and in and next week, you will be seeking God's will through questions, through prayer, and through a vote. Uh, you and Kent will be seeking God's direction for your life and for this church. I, I, I am praying for y'all guys. I am. I'm praying that God will, will show you uh, his will for your life. And, and as I prepared for my sermon, the Lord really convicted me. Don't say you're going to pray for people without praying for them. I prayed with the last service, uh, and I want to pray with you as well. So I'd ask you to pray with me uh, as I pray for y'all. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide this congregation. Lord, I pray that you will give them direction. I pray that they will uh, be unified as uh, you guide this church. And whatever, Lord, uh, your will is for this church, I pray that we will rejoice in knowing it. God, I pray, Lord, that as they uh, look to the future, that they will see that you have a, a great commission for this church that has not changed, to go into this community and make disciples. And God, I pray that they would love you with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And God, as they do these two things, God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that their best days are ahead. I pray, Father God, that the baptismal will flow continuously in this church. I pray, Father God, that many people will come to faith. I pray for missionaries to be called out of this church. I pray, God, that you will raise up pastors from this church. I pray, God, for families to be uh, uh, to find a place of, uh, of care and a place of, of family here at this church. And, God, I ask, Lord, that you will just do great things here for your glory. Guide the church in the next two weeks. Lord, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to talk today about how a person determines the will of the Lord. And we have to start by asking, what do we mean when we say the will of the Lord? If you open up the Bible, you see a phrase like the Lord's will or the will of the Lord or this is what God desires or this is what God wants from you. You see that over and over. In fact, hundreds of times in the scripture, you read phrases just like that. Now, you need to know that when you read these phrases, they don't always mean the same thing. Um, uh, sometimes uh, when you see this phrase, will of God, it's talking about God's micro plan or God's providential will. You see, there are things that are going to happen no matter what. God has put them on the calendar of human history, and they are going to happen regardless. Uh, he, he has marked them, and, and it's part of his plan, and nothing's going to change that. For instance, whenever God determines, the Father determines, that Jesus is going to come back to earth, it's on his calendar. No matter how we pray, no matter what we do, it's going to happen. It is a part of God's providential will, a part of his plan. But then there's another type of will that's talked about in the Scripture, not just God's micro plan for us, but there's also his moral will for us. Uh, scripture says it's God's will that we would be sanctified, for this is God's will for you, your sanctification. God wants you to be, to be holy and pure. He wants us to live by doing what's right and pleasing in his sight. And that God definitely has a will when it comes to moral decisions in your life. God doesn't want us to lie. He doesn't want us to steal. 
He doesn't want us to cheat on a test. He wants us to be faithful to our spouse, honest in our business. And if we're outside of these boundaries of the moral will of God, then we're in danger. And you need to hear this. You don't hear it enough in modern church. When you live outside of God's moral boundaries, you set yourself up for hard times. God's will is for your good. When you do what is good, your life has a much greater chance of being blessed. When you live outside of those moral bounds, there's consequences to that. And many of us could give testimony of how many times we've faced those consequences. So there's two types of wills of God. You see God's plan. That's the will of God. You see God's desire for your life uh, as far as your conduct. And that's one of the wills of God. But then there's also a specific will of God. You see, God has a will for your life personally. I believe that God is actively involved with all of our lives. And and I believe that he even has a plan and a will for the intimate details of your life. And I think he has a preferred will for the intimate details of your life. Now, I realize that this is the part that everybody wants to know, right? I mean, this is what we want to know. We want to know, where does God want me to live? Who does God want me to marry? Where does God want me to go to church? When should we start having our family? Where am I supposed to work? I personally believe that God has a plan for all of these details of your life. And we should seek him in these. And this begs the question, well, how do you know what God wants? How do you know when it comes to this specific will of God, what God wants you to do with your life? And I wish I could open up a single passage of scripture. And you know, since I've been here, I try to stick with one passage of scripture and make sure you understand every aspect of that passage of scripture before we move forward. I wish I could do that and give you step one, step two, step three. Here's what you do when you want to know where you're supposed to work. Go. I wish I could do that, but I can't. It's just not there. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at various passages of scripture and I'm going to try to give you some thoughts Uh, that I hope will help you figure out the will of God. Uh, Now, I'm going to approach this very humbly because I haven't got this perfectly figured out myself. But I'm going to share with you kind of what I do. Now, before we move forward, one thing I know for certain is the specific will of God for you is always going to fall between God's moral will for your life and his providential will for humanity. What God wants for you specifically will always be between those goalposts, okay? Um, For instance, uh, whenever you're looking for God's will in your life, you can start by asking, is it morally good? You know, am I helping people or am I hurting people? Is this right? You don't have to pray, is it God's will for me to open up a strip club? You don't have to pray for that, you know. You don't have to ask, is it God's will for me to buy stock in Budweiser? You don't have to ask that. You don't have to ask, is it right for me to cheat on my test or for me to cheat on my taxes? You don't have to ask those type of questions. A second question you could ask is not only is it morally good, is it in line with what God's doing in the world? So there's the goalpost. Is it morally good? Is it in line with what God's doing? Is my decision helping or hurting the kingdom of God? Is my decision selfish or serving? Uh, For instance, I'm not sure God would have you pack up all your things and move to Florida and spend your life wasting time sitting on a beach collecting shells. If you're just wanting to kick back and do nothing with your life, I can confidently say that's not God's will. He created you for a purpose. And it wasn't to sit and do nothing. 
It was to give him glory with your life. Be confident in this. God would not have you marry someone who will antagonize your faith and lead you further from him and further from serving him. It's God's will for you in all of your decisions to make your life one that would bring him glory. So that's easy. So we already know, specific will of God, if it's caused me to do what I know is wrong, or if it's caused me to not do what I know is right, then it's not within bounds. So we can, everything outside of those goalposts, we can take away. But what I found is it's easy for me to tell God's will when it's a choice between good and evil. You know, does God want me to preach or does God want me to be a drug dealer? That's a no-brainer, right? Or, you know, does God want me to... to uh, uh, study for this test, or does God want me to play another game of Angry Birds on my phone? That's, it's easy for us to determine that. Does God want me to eat pickles, or does God want me to eat pancakes? No-brainer. I know the difference between good and evil. You know, we know, understand that. P- pickles are evil. By the way, you... They are. They're cucumbers soaked in evil. Absolutely. But anyhow, what, where it gets tough for me is when you have to choose between good and good. Have any of you ever been at that place where you, how do you know what God wants you to do when you have to choose between good and good? When it's between choosing chocolate or strawberry and you like both but you can only have one, how do you pick? How how do you choose between going to a mission trip in Utah or going on a mission trip to Seattle? You only get one week's vacation but you got to choose. How do you decide, you know, to, you know, uh, how how, how do I I get to that place where I decide how I'm going to use my money? Am I going to give some to Compassion International or am I going to give to Disaster Relief, but I don't have money for both? How do I pick? How do I choose whether to root for UK or or UK, you know, if it's good and good? I mean, how how do I pick those things, you know? But for me, listen, how did I choose... From going from a church that I loved a lot, 13 and a half years, loved to go to a job that seemed to be in my sweet spot of consulting and helping churches. How do you choose? How do you, how do you know what God wants you to do? Or when it comes to choosing to move your family for a good job, but you really like where you live? Or how do you choose from going on a mission trip or just in investing in a local church where you're at? How do you, how do you choose? Well, as humbly as I know how, I'm going to tell you how I do it. And uh, I'm not even going to say I'm always right. I'm just going to tell you, here's what I do. Okay? First thing I would say to you is, is listen to the voice of God. Listen for God's voice. A good place to start is uh, on how to do that is looking at, at John chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. I'm going to look at quite a few verses here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but this teaches clearly a foundational truth. Now, in John 10, we get this comparison uh, between a sheep's relationship to the shepherd and our relationship to God. And starting in verse 1, he says, I assure you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he's brought out all all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. 
They'll never follow a stranger. Instead, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of the stranger. And then skip down to verse 14. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. By the way, that's us. He was talking to the people of Israel. I have people who are not of this fold, and and I must bring them also, praise the Lord. And they will listen to my voice. And then there will be one flock and one shepherd. And later on in the same passage it says, Again, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. And, And many of them were saying, He has a demon. He's crazy. Why would you listen to him? And he said, I did tell you and you don't believe the works that I do in my Father's name, they testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, ever. And no one can snatch them from my hand. (laughs) What a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. Now, we could unpack this for a few months all the theology that's wrapped up in this. But I'm not going to get into all of the different theology there. But there's some clear things that I want us to see. Who's the shepherd? Who are the sheep? How do the sheep know what to do? They listen to his voice. They listen to what he says. And that's the clear instruction for what I want us to see. The consistent teaching of Jesus and of the church is his people know when he's leading or speaking to them. Paul picks up on this in Romans 8, 14. He says, all those who are led by God's Spirit, these are the sons of God. When you're saved, God puts the Holy Spirit inside of you as a deposit guaranteeing your salvation. And he leads you and guides you and directs you. Now... When he does this, I hear people saying, well, God spoke to me. You ever heard somebody that say that? God spoke to me? I, I want to tell you, if you're here today and that's completely foreign terminology to you, I want you to listen real close for about 30 seconds and then you can tune out if you want to. You either, A, are not saved and do not have the Holy Spirit. You can't listen to that which you don't have. The Holy Spirit's internal, and if you're not saved and you've never given your heart and life completely over to Jesus and he put your holy, his Holy Spirit inside of you, you need to be saved today. Nothing else I say is as important as you need to get on your knees before God. I would encourage you at the end of the service to come up here, take me by the hand, come to the altar and just say, dear Jesus, please save me. Turn your heart and life over to God. And he promises when he saves you, he will make you a new person and put his spirit within you. That's what he promises. And he'll start leading you. So either you're not saved. And by the way, in a crowd this size, I guarantee you there's probably somebody here who's not saved and has no idea what it means to hear the voice of God. It could be you this morning that God's speaking to, telling you you need to be saved. Either they're not saved, or B, you have no idea what we're talking about when we say God's speaking to us. See, because you're saying, I've never heard God. I don't know what this is. Maybe it's because you don't understand what we mean when we say God is speaking, God is talking to us, God is leading us. Now, there are several ways that God speaks. Sometimes God speaks in an unmistakable call. A burning bush, Moses, do you see it? 
Paul blinds Saul on the road to Damascus, and he becomes Paul, and he, he sees Christ. Uh, prophets hear an audible voice of the Lord. Uh, maybe you're praying about a job, and you're just praying for the Lord to give you a job. You, you want to provide you for your family. You want to help with missions. You want to uh, help your neighbor, and you're on your knees, and you're praying for a job, and you've been begging. You've been out of work for a while, and you're saying, God, I need something. Telephone rings, and somebody says, man, you, you've been on my heart. i got a job. Would you like to do it? you're going to think, man, that's God speaking to me, God's voice coming through. Sometimes God works in those extraordinary, miraculous ways. And no matter how it comes to you, it's so clear that even if everybody else says, ah, that's just coincidence, ah, you're just crazy, you know, no, that's God speaking to me. Sometimes, and by the way, I've not had many of those in my life. I've had a few of those type things where I just know that was absolutely 100% God speaking to me. Sometimes you, you just hear the voice of God through open and closed doors. You're praying, God, guide me, God, direct me, and God just closes a door or opens a door. Um, you're praying for where to go to college, and you've got two options that you're down to, and you don't know what to do, and you don't know where to go, and you send off for admissions at both, and one comes back and they accept you, and the other comes back and they don't. Well, God's probably spoke to you uh, in that. Or you're praying for an opportunity to go on a mission trip and you don't know where to go and where would you start? And all of a sudden you go to church and you had no idea that a missionary from Haiti was going to be speaking at your church that day. And God just draws your heart and he leads you through that open door. Or maybe you're dating and you're trying to figure out, is this what God wants me to do? And you, you, you've got this girl in mind that you want to date. and You think, this is who I'm supposed to date. And you go up to her house and you work up the courage to ask her and you knock on her door and she says no and slams the door. Literally, God closes doors. So Sometimes on people and in those directions. But, but sometimes God speaks through open and closed doors. Sometimes God speaks through our heart's desire. You just know when God's leading you. Uh, some people know they're supposed to do something. Some of you will see a child in need and you can't quit thinking about it. Other people go on with their life and they don't think about it at all. But that's all you can think about is this child that's in need and you know you're supposed to help. Or some of you know there's something broken at church and, you know, the, the, the choir room doors have been squeaking for four years and nobody's fixed it and it's just driving you insane and you're sitting at home at night thinking it needs to be fixed. Well, God might be leading you just to go fix it. You know, some of you, uh, uh, you, you something keeps coming to your mind or it keeps weighing on you. I'll be honest, I'm just going to tell you this. I most of the time don't know what I'm supposed to do. Most of the time I know what I'm not supposed to do. I get the yuck factor. So I kind of have to go forward until I know I'm not supposed to do it. And I get that, oh, I mean, this isn't right. This doesn't feel good. This is not what I'm supposed to do. So, so what do you do? If our job is to listen to the voice of God, what do you do? I'll tell you what I do. I, I seek God until I find him. I pray until I hear from him. You know, I, I, I've had many nights... Especially at my last pastor, you preach 13 years and you try not to preach the same sermon twice. You start begging God, God, I need help. I don't know what to say to these folks. God, what am I supposed to say? And I've had nights where my PowerPoint was done and my bulletin notes were done. And I'm looking at my sermon notes and I'm thinking, God, this is not what you want me to say. And I got that yuck factor all over me. And I've walked in the middle of the dark on our stage, which is dangerous. I don't advise that. At my former church, back and forth, just crying out to God, God, I need you to show me. If you don't show me what you want me to do tomorrow, God, this is going to be a mess. God, I need you. 
Some of you, you, you pray completely different than that. You get on your knees. Some of you lay on the ground and suck carpet. You do whatever you got to do. You just seek the Lord until you hear from him. We, whatever your style is, do it. For 13 and a half years, I pastored my former church. That's a long time. I talk about it a lot because that's a, over a quarter of my life. You know, that's a big part of my world. And uh, for 13 and a half years, I pastored them, and I had church after church call and say, well, he's probably been where he's at long enough, and we're desperate. Maybe he'll want to come to our place. And they called and say, could we send a pulpit committee to hear you? Nah. Nah. Would you send a resume? Nah. Not interested. Won't you think about Nah. I had associations call. Would you think about being our director of missions? No. Not interested. Happy where I'm at. And then one night, Dr. Chitwood called from the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And it wasn't because it was Dr. Chitwood, because he'd called and asked me about something else before, and I'd said, nah, not interested. But all of a sudden, God spoke to me. And I knew instantly, I think God might be leading me. To be honest with you, it scared me. But I had to explore the situation because I thought I'd heard God. So what do you do if you think you've heard God? You're praying about something and you're wanting specific information and you're praying and you think God is, is leading you. What do you do to make sure it's not you? You know? I mean, because I'll be honest with you, sometimes, you know, I've had Taco Bell that made me feel like I heard God. You know what I mean? I've had, <laughs> y'all understand where I'm, uh, been there, you know? What, how do you make sure that you're not just playing mind games with yourself? And for those of y'all who are a little skeptical this morning, I get it. I live there in Skepticalville. You know, how do you know that you're not just talking yourself into something? Here's what I do. Step two, I try to listen to God. And step two is I examine my motives. Why am I making this decision? Am I running from a problem? Am I struggling with someone or something? Am I trying to move up the ladder? James 3.16 says, For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder and every kind of evil. You want to get yourself in a real mess in your life? You just start trying to chase your dreams. Listen, I know the catchphrase is right now, chase your dreams. You can be anything you want to be. I want to tell you young people, old people, all of you, chase God's dream for your life. Chase his will for your life. His plans are great. His ways are awesome. Being where he is is peace and joy and hope and purity and life and love and good. Follow him with all you got. Don't follow yourself because when you follow selfish ambition... Life gets in a mess. And that's why we should check our motives and make sure we're not just looking out for us because everyone should not look out only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. When you have two options in front of you, it's legitimate to ask, are they both good? Okay, they're both good. But what am I supposed to do? Well, for me, I'm going to tell you, you might not think this is holy, but I think it's really holy. I ask people what they think. Proverbs 11 says, Without guidance, people fail. But with many counselors, there's deliverance. Why would I ask people? I'm looking for God's will. What did we say if you are a follower of God? What happens in your life when you get saved? You get the Holy Spirit. 
So if I go and talk to somebody who I know is godly and they have the Holy Spirit, I'm expecting to get godly information from them. Right? And so we're, we're, I, I have many people. Now, sometimes we think counselors are telling us what to do. I don't go to people asking them, hey, what should I do? I want counselors who will cause me to think through what I'm doing. I'm grateful for people in my life who challenge me in areas who will say things like, Nick, is this what God wants or is this what Nick wants? I don't like the question at the time, but I'm grateful for it. Then I would encourage you to pay attention to providential signs. If y'all followed me at all, y'all know I'm not a touchy-feely, look at it, oh, wow, it's magic type of, that's not me at all. But I do believe that God works in the circumstances of our life. Is there a pathway that seems to be opening up? Are there opportunities closing? Has God opened a door? And be careful, don't force things. You know, know the preacher, he's on a diet. Preachers must have a problem because this one does. And he's up 20, he's down 10, he's up 25, he's down 15. There was this one preacher who was always struggling with his weight that was the first of the year and he was going to do better. And he had started losing weight. And after about two weeks, he had lost some weight and he was prancing around the office and everything was going good. But one day he walks in at 8 a.m. with a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Secretary looks at him and says, Preacher, what's wrong with you? I thought you were on a diet. The Lord wanted me to eat these donuts. (laughs) How do you know the Lord wanted you to eat these donuts? Well, on the way to work, I was having this intense craving, and I didn't know if it was from God or from the devil. And so I prayed, God, if this is you, let there be a parking space right in front of the Krispy Kreme shop. And sure enough, on the eighth time around, there was a parking space (laughs) right there. That's what we do with signs a lot of times. Let's just be honest. We're like the little boy shooting free throws in the backyard. She loves me. She don't love me. Okay, three out of five. All right? Okay, I was fouled. All right, that's what we do a lot of times with signs. We make them say what we want them to say. Be careful. Uh, Now, some people would say, Well, preacher, you shouldn't say look for signs because the Bible says an evil and a perverse generation seeks a sign. Well, remember what that sign was for. That was proving whether or not Jesus was the Son of God or not. I I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. I'm not asking him to prove himself to me. I'm asking to humbly show an ignorant follower what I'm supposed to do. That's all I'm asking. What do you do next? Now, here's where it gets tricky, and this is like, you know, when, all right, I'm listening for God's voice. I've asked folks about it. I'm making sure that I'm not being selfish in this, and I'm really seeking the Lord. And, 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 and I believe God is opening up this opportunity, but I'm still not sure what I do. Deep, get this. Trust God and move forward. Just do it. Just trust God and move forward. If you believe that God's calling, if it seems to be pointing in that direction, you've examined your motives, just do it. Well, what if I get it wrong, preacher? What if I get it wrong? Now, this is my last Sunday here, so I'll talk about this. Have any of y'all noticed how I stand really close to the edge of the stage? I I know I do. I I, I know I do, and, and I know some of you hoped I would fall off or something like that. 
but maybe the sermon would be shorter or something like that. But, you know, a lot of you treat God's will like it is this tightrope stretched out over a canyon. You know, and... and, and And, and and I'm going to fall if I if I if I make one, and then it's over. What, what if I fall? That's the way you treat the will of the Lord, guys. I'm here to tell you good news. The will of the Lord is nothing like the tightrope stretched across the canyon. It's much more like the river that flows through the bottom. And imagine that you're walking along a path beside that river. And that bottom of that canyon is God's will. Don't you think you would know if you were starting to get out of the, the will of God? Because it's work to get out of the will of God. Now, you might, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not following. Did God put the Holy Spirit in your life if you're saved? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit's job to guide you? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit supposed to convict you when you do wrong? Yes. If you are heading in the wrong direction, don't you think you'll know? I think you will. And you might say, well, preacher, what if you're wrong about that? What if I don't know? What if I fall? You've fallen all your life. You've messed up your entire life. There's not one of you without sin. See, that's what's missing the will of God is. It's called sin. There's not one of you who haven't done it. And yet God still loved you. He's still with you. He takes your mess and makes something beautiful. To be all right. Trust God and move forward. You see, some of you get paralyzed because you're afraid of falling and I'll just miss it forever and oh my goodness, what if? And I, I will tell you, God will take care of you. He will. Now you might say, okay, preacher, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've preached a sermon on the will of God and let me make sure I got this right. Listen to the voice of God. Okay, I got you. All right, examine my motives. Check. All right, I'm looking for what God's doing, paying attention to providential signs. Got that. All right, and, and I, now you're telling me, move forward, you forgot one, preacher. What about an internal peace? Well, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I just want to say this. Some of you wait for a peace to the place that you do nothing ever. You're paralyzed while waiting for a peace. If you want some meat to this sermon, I've given you some pretty basic stuff. I'll give you a little meat here right now. Sometimes the peace of God doesn't come until you obey. A lot of folks think you've got to get the peace and then I'll obey. A lot of times it doesn't happen that way. Right? In fact, I would even say that the Garden of Gethsemane shows us that Jesus didn't even have perfect peace when he said, Oh God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me. But nonetheless, thy will not mine be done. So pray for a peace. Uh, 
And, and, and what do you do while you're praying for peace? What do you do what, while you're waiting for this peace to come? Okay, it's not here yet. What do you do? Well, you move forward with what you know what to do and you trust God. My dad had a Chevy Silverado 1977. I was learning to drive in about 1984 when I was 14. We lived in the country, you know, and so that was kind of almost acceptable. And uh, I had... Uh, it's Chevy, it's true, on a quiet night you can hear Chevy's rust, because his did. By the time I was driving, it was through and through, it was. And uh, But anyhow, he had this old Chevy, it was a stripped down, bare bones model. Didn't have power steering, didn't have power locks, no such thing as power windows. And it had an H shifter, a three-speed on the column in H form. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Reverse, first, second, third. And it had a clutch that took a man to push it in. It was a tough, tough truck. And I would sit in that truck and I would dream. You know, I'm going to drive this truck. You know what I found? If you don't have power steering, it's a hard deal to move that truck. And I'd watch Superman sit next to me driving that truck. And he would drive that truck with one finger on the wheel. You know why? Because even a truck that doesn't have power steering can be turned on a dime if it's in motion. But sitting still, you just can't move that boy. I think that's a whole lot like our spiritual life. You want God to guide you. You want God to give you direction. You want God to show you what you're supposed to do. You want to know what you're supposed to do in your work, what you're supposed to do with your relationships. You want to know what, what you're supposed to do in your church. I would encourage you to be faithful in what you know to do right now. Start moving forward, doing what you already know God wants you to do, and God will show you the rest. And he'll give you a peace. Might come before you start. And it's nice when that happens. Probably will happen sometime in the middle of it or when you get through it. But God will give a peace. And that's why he says, brothers, I can... uh, go, Go ahead, the next scripture. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. When I left my former church, there was a lot of consternation, pain. And it took me getting into the job before I started really getting peace that I did the right thing. And I'll be honest, I don't know if I'll be in this job forever. I might be in for six months, might be in it for 16 more years. Who knows? I don't know. But I do know when I went forward with the Lord, he he gave me a knowledge of you did the right thing. Isn't that what you want, a knowledge that you're doing what God wants in your life? That's what I'm praying for, for y'all, that you will know. Here's your takeaway. Two things real quickly. Number one, I encourage you to seek to know God's will. There's not a higher goal for your life than to know what God wants you to do. Now, some of it's pretty straightforward. Make disciples, love your neighbor, forgive those who've wronged you. Uh, Some of it's a little harder, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will take care of itself. He can steer you. And then number two, I would encourage you to obey what you know today. Some of you have been resisting the call of the Lord to be saved. You want God's will for your life? It starts with you bowing before the cross. Some of you have never been baptized. 
The Bible over and over in the New Testament says to be baptized. Some of you, God's leading you to be a part of this church. I'd encourage you to follow the Lord. Even when you don't have all your questions answered, follow the Lord. Uh, some of you here need to give up some sin. You can do that as well. We're going to have a time of invitation right now. If the band will come out, they're not going to secretly pop in when I pray like they normally do. Like y'all don't know how they get out here. <laughs> we're going to let them walk in uh, this time. And we're going to have a time of invitation. It, you know when God's leading you. And so I'm going to encourage you to follow him. If God's speaking to you, I'm going to be down here at the front. You can, or down here at the front, you can come and talk to me if you'd like. There's deacons here who would be glad to talk to you and pray with you if you'd like to come. Maybe you want to take communion today. There is communion here if you'd like to take that. But we're going to stand together and sing right now. If the Lord leads you, won't you come?